Good morning to you all. You know what? This feels like how I used to preach for years and years in Manila. And this is the kind of heat that we faced every single day for months on end like this. When it would get to be, when it would get to be uh, 90, 93 and the heat index was up to 103, or like it's going to be up in Plainville today where the heat index gets up to be like 105, it's going to be supposed to be 97 degrees there. That's what I used to speak in all the time. And the chapels weren't air conditioned. And so you're experiencing what I used to experience all the time in the Philippines. So welcome to Manila. It's nice to be with you this morning. Now if I can get my tablet to work here. Not that I refer to it too much. We are back in 1 Peter again this morning. Back in 1 Peter. And we're going to be reading from verse 22 this morning. I'm not going to be doing a lot of review, so we're just going to go ahead and move forward. It is very, very hot out there. Very, very hot where I'm standing as well. I'll try to be succinct. I'll try to uh, end early if I can. But uh, we'll see how we, how we go. Er, ending early for me is, is a novelty. So, I mean, if I'm able to do that, we will try to do that for you. If we're able to draw some conclusions and not waste a lot of time talking like I'm doing right now. Let's go to verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower, and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And the Lord will add his blessing to his word this morning. Father, we give you thanks for your precious word and for your precious son. We ask your blessing and encouragement for our hearts today, for we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. The other day, probably last week sometime, I was uh, online looking at stuff on Facebook and a, and a little post came up and I thought I'd look at it. It was, a, it was a post dealing with perspective. Now, as I, as I viewed it, and some of you probably have viewed it as well, there was a man who was doing a painting. Now, the man who was doing the painting, there was a little, the, the one who posted it had a little uh, post that it said, wait for it. So I'm watching this guy paint. And he's painting this thing, and he's going, and he's putting a dab here, and he's putting a slash there, and he's moving kind of quick, and he's moving along. He takes his hand from time to time and does something with his fingers on this, on this canvas. And I'm watching it, and I'm saying, oh, man, it's some kind of contemporary art. Look at this thing. I can't, I'm not a big fan of contemporary art at all. And I'm watching him, watching him. But they said wait for it, so I was waiting for it. And the end came, and he stepped away 
from the canvas, and I'm still looking at it and saying, well, what is it? And then he reached over and turned it upside down, and when he did, there was a face of a man that I could not see when it was upside down. It's kind of like that little plaque that the kids make that says Jesus. But when you're not, your eyes aren't focused to seeing the Jesus, it just looks like a bunch of little uh, blocks that are set in place. But once your eyes see the Jesus, you can never not see it again. And it's the same with that painting. Once it's flipped back over again, you still see the man upside down. It's all a matter of perspective. It's all a matter of seeing it as it's meant to be seen. We as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ see things from a different perspective. We see the world from a different perspective. We see all that is happening around us through a different lens. You know, the world around us can look at all the all the hardships that are taking place. They can look at all the travesty. They can look at all the, the rioting. They can look at all that's going on around us and can say, devastation. It's devastation. It's unbelievable hatred. And we recognize those same things, but we look at it through another set of eyes and we say to ourselves, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Because we have hope. No matter what goes on in the world, we have a different perspective. We have a totally different worldview. We view things out of the lens of Scripture. We view things through the lens of our God, through the lens of our Lord, and therefore we perceive things differently than the world perceives things. It wasn't always that way for some of us. I know my daughters growing up, when my daughters grew up in the Philippines, we used to always say of our daughters, they have a different world perspective than a lot of people who don't, don't grow up overseas or don't grow someplace else. Their worldview is very different than many of you might be. But our perspective is different. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, our worldview is very, very different. When we see tragedy around us, we recognize that the Lord is in it. How many times during all of this trial that we faced over the past several months, simple trials, some of them, some of them more severe than others, but when we see the trials and the hardships, we say to ourselves, the Lord is placing all things in order for the culmination of this age. He's placing all things in order that the age may come and we will see the Lord come and we will see His deliverance. We will be caught up to be with Him. Are you looking forward to that day? Do you see it from afar? Do you know that that day is coming? Perspective can sometimes mean everything from the way you see things. How one approaches life with its many twists and its many turns can determine the way you see current events, can determine the way you see past events. One will see hope where one sees despair in the same events. Now the people of, of that Peter is writing to here, had been going through times of trial. They've been going through times of hardship and persecution. 
And He's causing them to look at all that they're going through through the lens of God. He's causing them to see all the trials that have come upon them as through the lens of God. As the Lord views it. And to have hope. And to have a living hope. We saw that He encourages them to remember that they are begotten ones. We saw that He encourages them to remember the hope, the living hope that dwells within them. To remember whose they are. To have hope when all these things are coming upon them. To remember their inheritance and how great their inheritance is in Christ Jesus. He reminded them to be holy, to be set apart ones, to be ones who are not living according to the course of this world, but living according to the Word of God. Living according to the teachings of, of the Lord Himself to us. He exhorts them to be holy. And it is a holiness that is not just a conformity to rules. It's a holiness that is not just a conformity to laws or to rules. Do this, don't do that. Wear this, don't wear that. Eat this, don't eat that. It's, for us, it's more than just a conformity to rules. It is a walking by faith that seeks to honor the Lord that we serve. And if it means don't do that, we don't do it. Not because we are, not because we are holier than anyone else, but because we want to honor the Savior who bought us. We want to honor the one who saved us. It's not a life that's according to rules and regulations. It is a life that is given to Him. Sometimes we, sometimes we ask, and it's been asked to me many times, and I'm sure to some of you as well, a new believer or even an older believer may come up to you and say, is it okay for a Christian to do this? Is it okay for a Christian to do that? Can I do this and still be okay? Can I do that and still be considered okay? How far can I go into the world system and still be okay? And still be alright? Now we are kind of opposed, and I think I can say this accurately. We are opposed sometimes in this country in which we live because we have such liberty, because we have such freedom that has been given to us, and we recognize that has been a gift of God to us as well, that in this country where we live, where we, where we have such liberty and such glorious liberty, that we filled our minds with a sense that nothing should be rejected. Nothing should be rejected. If I want to do that, I can do it. Nobody's going to tell me I can't do it. I'm, I'm free. I can do what I want to do. Nobody can stop me from it. Don't tell me what I can and cannot do. I can still speak my mind. I can live the way I want. I can make my own rules. 
As a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't make the rules. You follow the rules. You follow what your Lord teaches you because you love Him. You follow the Word of God because you love Him. You're not, as an assembly of God's people, you're not made holy by the things that you do. You're made holy because of the blood of Christ. And now you do the things that you do to honor and glorify Him. I hope that's true of all of us. I hope we're not trying to get away with as much as we can and still be considered Christian. I hope we're not trying to take as much of the world in as we can and still remain in favor with God. We do not establish the holiness. We do not establish the holiness. He has established it in us. And now we walk in ways that bring honor to Him. We seek to be separated unto Him. Now the quote that He gives us here, now we actually get a second commandment here. We had the commandment that was to be holy for I am holy. Now he gives them a second commandment, and the second commandment actually can refer back to Leviticus 19, where we saw the first one, because in Leviticus 19 you will also find the statement, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. Here, Peter, speaking to the church, speaking to those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, he says to them, because you have been saved, since you have purified your mind, and that phraseology is interesting. That phraseology says, because it's a perfect tense, it has this idea, you have been purified, and because you have been purified, the effects of that continue on to the present age. At a point in the past, you accepted Christ. At a point in the past, you were made pure and holy in His sight. And that pure heart continues on in you to this present day. All of you here are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Have a pure heart. Sometimes we don't act that way. But positionally, we certainly have what he says here. We've purified our souls. We have purified the inner man. Purified it. Through the blood of Christ. And since now you have purified your souls because you've obeyed the truth, you obeyed the truth that talked about the coming of Christ, you've obeyed the truth in, your, uh, in the precious blood of Christ, and you believed, and you have been saved, the evidence is through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren. In sincere love for one another. That is the way it's demonstrated. It is unhypocritical. That's what that word sincere means. It is unhypocritical love that you have for one another. It's not a love that puts on a mask and pretends to love. It is a love that you have for your brothers and sisters that is genuine and is real. Have you ever met people, strangers, in an airport or strangers in this grocery store, strangers someplace, and you find out that they are a believer and you have an immediate contact with them? You have immediate um, relationship with them because you know the same Savior. 
You've been saved by the same blood. You're going home to the same place. You have an unhypocritical love for one another. And then he tells them, and it's in command form, he tells them, now love them fervently. You have an unhypocritical love toward them, a sincere love of the brethren. Now love one another fervently with a pure heart. This idea of fervent is this idea of stretching out. It has this idea of reaching out. It has this idea of you're loving them now with a passion that reaches out to them. A desire for them. A sincere desire in the heart. Loving them sincerely. Loving them fervently. Much have been, has been made, and you'll read in commentaries much about the different, two different words that are used here for love. The first one is phileo, the second one is agape. So they, the, the point is that you're loving now fervently with a God's type of love. Well, that's kind of artificial in some ways. But you have a love of brethren. You have a Philadelphia within you for each other. Now go on and deepen that love. Now how can we do that? Oh, simply by command. I can command you. Love one another. Okay. Go ahead, do it. Love one another now. Yeah, just do it. Turn to one another and love one another. You, you can't command it, can you? You cannot command one to love another one. Because it comes out of the heart. It comes out of the soul. And we, as those who have been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, can be moved by that Spirit within us to love one another deeply. To love one another with passion. To care for one another. Unlike the world cares for one another. Because you've been born again. You've been born again. Not of corruptible seed. Not simply the corruptible seed by which you're, you were born. By which, you're, which your mom conceived and you were born once into this world. But you have now been born again. And it is not of corruptible seed. Not of the first birth. But is incorruptible seed. It is the incorruptible seed of the second birth. It is the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. And you heard it, and the Spirit spoke to your heart, and you believed it, and you were born again. And the Word of God lives and abides forever. It lives forever. The Word by which you were born again never goes out of style. The Gospel doesn't change. And we've been born again and it's forever. And then we get that quote that comes out of Isaiah 40. For all flesh is as grass. All flesh is as grass, 
and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. You see, this isn't necessarily a statement of the brevity of life, although it is that indeed, because it speaks about how brief our life is as compared to the grass which grows up one day and the little flowers that come up in the scorching heat of, of Israel. When that when that's summer heats would come, it would all burn off. It would all go brown like some of your lawns are right now. It would all go brown. And the little flowers of that grass that would come up would just fail and fall away. And it's brief. They're there for a moment and they're gone. And in, in Isaiah, it talks about the breath of the Lord breathes on them and it's gone. And so it is with our lives. They are short. They are brief. And they are passing away. But that's not really the point that Peter's trying to make here. He's trying to make the opposite point. The opposite point is, what you possess is forever. It's not like the grass of the field. It's not like the flower that fails. It is an eternal life that lives forever and ever and ever. You can go to the bank with it. You have been saved. And it was through the Word of God. And it endures forever. Now this is the Word by which the Gospel was preached to you. You have salvation in the Son. And no one can ever take that from you again. Isn't it wonderful to be saved isn't it wonderful to have hope in a dark world? Isn't it wonderful to have a whole different worldview as citizens of heaven with a whole different worldview? Because our worldview tells us that He is in control. Our worldview now tells us that Jesus is coming again. Our worldview tells us He will come and He will not tarry. One day, we shall see Him. One day, we shall stand before Him at last. Father, we give You thanks. We give You praise for the wonder of our salvation, for the greatness of what we possess in Your Son. Thank You, Father. Thank You for all that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. This life is fading. This life is passing away quickly. But who cares? I'm going home to be with You one day whether I pass through the grave or whether I'm here when you call and I'm caught up to be with you, I'm going to be with you real soon. And so, Father, I give you thanks for hope. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm getting you out a couple minutes early. Johnny's coming up, I think.